everybody doing this morning? If it is good to be in the house of the Lord, just say amen. amen. We got people that are joining online with us, maybe watching on YouTube later. And I want you all to know, just as a reminder, we are for the one here. We are for the one. Everybody say for the one. We didn't start this church six, seven months ago to try to compete with other churches. We started this church to reach the one. The one that might be far from God, but close to us. That might be far from God we have a relationship with. So there might be someone watching online from a different state, maybe even from a different country, maybe watching on YouTube later. Can we just give it up for them right now? Maybe there's one person that needs to hear this. Welcome, welcome. With us in spirit. Before we jump in, I have two quick announcements, and we love to have fun here. So everybody say, announcement number one. Announcement number one is this, circles launch today. I am so excited about that. Give it up for that. That's awesome. All right, seven people joining a circle. All right, I see you. I see you. Uh, You might have gotten this on your way in. This is a QR code to join a circle. These are our version of small groups here at One Church. And the tagline is, the circle is always open. The circle is always open. Every single thing that we do at One Church has to come back to the vision that we are, everybody say, for the one. We are for the one, and that's why we're starting circles. Because we believe, man, there might be people that can't gather on a Sunday. They might even work on Sundays. Maybe they don't even feel comfortable yet to come to church. Or maybe they don't believe at all. But maybe they would come to your house and have a meal with you. And we believe, whether you're watching online or in the room, that one of the best ways we can reach people who are far from God is the spirit of hospitality. The spirit of saying, my house is open. Mi casa es su casa. See? No? Okay. I don't even know if I got that right. My in-laws are with me. I married into a Latina family. Anyways, here we go. Uh, By the way, they're like the best at hospitality. So uh, give it for Kay and Louie one time. I'm not even joking. I'm not even kidding when I say this. Uh, Louie is the grill master. He will be grilling after this at the cookout. But um, I learned hospitality in many ways from them because they constantly have their home open. Every single time I come over, I meet Deanie and Donnie and Denny and Dee and Donna and, uh, and what are the other D names I haven't met yet. Like seriously, the amount of neighbors I have met at their house. But I learned hospitality from them because they say, my house is open. Come have a meal. You don't have to prove yourself. I'm not going to beat you over the head with the Bible. Come to my house. And we see that through scripture that more lives, hang with me here, more lives were changed at tables than temples. That more lives were changed over a conversation over food than inside these four walls. I believe that. So we didn't start this church to say, how can we grow our attendance, grow our attendance? No, no, we're saying, we're for the one. We're going to go outside of these four walls, and we're going to be like Jesus that leaves the 99. Everybody say, for the one. So that's why we're starting circles. I want to show you the couples that are leading these groups. We have nine different couples Uh, Drew and Lauren is the first group. First off, that's just like the cutest picture you've ever seen. So I heard some, aww. Drew and Lauren, uh, Michelle and Coy, so awesome that they're leading a group. We also have Jeremy and Jennifer Lawrence, Phil and Lucille Nettleton, Adam and Emily Horke. Shout out to my Westfield friends. Let's go. And then uh, Josh Tufnell and Emma Gray, myself and my wife, were leading a group. Brittany and Logan Delf. Brittany is doing amazing work to shout her out. And Logan, their ministry at Student Impact. If you've driven by their building, they are reaching the masses, you guys. Middle school students, high school students, people that need something to plug into to see that they have a purpose, they have meaning. So excited that we get to partner with them. Jackson and Erica Free. Can we go up for the softball captain one more time? Come on, where is he? I don't know where he's at. He might be out there. 
He's probably sick of me doing that. And the last announcement is this. We are in 21 days, 21 days of prayer and fasting. We want to pause twice a year. This isn't a legalistic thing. This isn't a, okay, well, it's, it's time to pray. It's, it's the date on the calendar. This is us pausing. I heard a pastor say this, that we fast from things. We fast. We, we take a break from things. We put it on the shelf. We fast from things that are fine. Everybody say fine. To keep God first. Things like Netflix, shopping. It's not like, oh my gosh, you're the most terrible person. You like Amazon, right? No, no, it's like, hey, let's just intentionally fast to be reminded that nothing has a hold on us except Jesus. Are you with me? That those things are okay. But we're going to pause for 21 days of prayer. And so we are in that. And I think this is a perfect time to be interceding for the schools that just started maybe this week, last week, the faculty, the teachers. So would you bow your head, close your eyes with me. Let's pray this morning. Father, we thank you for who you are. That although we weren't promised tomorrow in this life, you promised us that you would never leave us and that you would never forsake us. That nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Jesus Christ. So whether we came into this room or watching online, maybe we came in with an anxious heart, with a heavy heart, Maybe we came in on the mountaintop. Lord, I thank you that you are Emmanuel. You are God with us. Before we even open up the word, I just invite you with heads bowed, eyes closed. Just be still before the Lord. Maybe even stretch out your hands as a sign to just say, Lord, I want to receive from you this morning. Just take a deep breath in his presence. Let his peace wash over your mind. Be still and know that I am God. Be still. So Father, over the next few moments, as we approach your word, we believe that your word is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. Able to pierce the very thoughts of our heart and our mind, Lord, that we would become more like you, that we would be transformed into your likeness. Lord, hide me behind your cross. I pray that these words would be inspired by the Holy Spirit, that you would guide us and direct us to what you want us to hear, that we would leave transformed forevermore. We're going to give you the glory in advance. It's in Jesus' name. Everybody said... Amen and amen. Why don't you give him one more shout of praise if you're excited to be here. We are in a series called Deep Waters, Deep Waters. And we start a new series every four weeks. We want to keep it fresh. We want you to be engaged. We're not going to do a 13, 14, 16 week series. I'm, uh, I'm uh, helping you out there because I think every four weeks we need something that's like, okay, I'm with you. I'm with you, right? But we are in this series called Deep Waters. And God has been showing me a couple things. One is this, that as he's showing me different things about the scripture, about his character, things that he's teaching me about how I can become more like him. One of the things that I always shared before we jumped into the message the last few months is I'm in the same boat with you. I'm in the same boat with you because when I stand on this stage, you all don't see the two, three hours before this that I'm on my knees broken, insecure, Shaking sometimes. 
wrestling with God. You see me on stage after it's all put together, but I come to you this morning to remind you I am a work in progress with you as your pastor and as your leader. And one of the things that the Lord has been teaching me is sometimes God gives me a word that's just for me and my family, and sometimes he gives me a word that's for myself and the congregation. And I really felt clearly like this call to go into deep waters, to not just go through the motions, hang with me, to not just come to church and to not just watch online from a distance, but to truly say, Jesus, you are not only my Savior, but you are my Lord. See, when we pray that prayer, Jesus, I accept you as my Lord and Savior. Many of us have only accepted him as Savior, but not as Lord. Like, we're cool with Jesus saving us from the deep end, but sailing out to a specific destination that is spirit-led, that is fully surrendered, that says, I don't just give God my relationships, but I give him my finances, too. And I give him my time, too. What does it look like to go into, everybody say, deep waters? What does that look like? And I think the first thing that we have to do is we have to redefine what success is. Turn to your neighbor and just say, redefine it. Turn to the person behind you and say, redefine it. So when I say the word success, for a lot of us, I think what comes to our mind is we got that, that chair on the beach and we can see the water and we're out on the shore. I mean, just close your eyes. You can imagine it. The water is still as, as you'll get out that it is clear, that it is peaceful. And we got our feet up and and we've made it. You can open up your eyes. But I want to ask you a different question. What if success wasn't your feet kicked up on the side of the beach, but what if success in the kingdom of God meant going through deep waters? What if the truest definition of success was not you having your retirement plan figured out, but it was you being obedient to the call of God to go to the deep? To not live the American dream, but to live the kingdom dream. And many times, you need to know this, the kingdom dream is not feet kicked up on the side of the shore. It's out on a boat in the middle of the sea with only a few other people as further than the eye can see. And you're out there. Living not on sight, but on faith. Living not on feelings anymore, but living with a compass that's truly led by the Holy Spirit that will look like foolishness to the world. Deep waters. So here's the scripture that we're in, Isaiah 43, 1 through 2. It says this, But now, O Jacob, listen to the Lord who created you, O Israel, the one who formed you. Do not be afraid. Everybody say, do not be afraid. See, we talked about this last week, that when we get the call to go to the deep, the first thing that we're going to encounter is fear. Fear. Worst case scenario, start playing through your mind. Man, if I fully step out for Jesus, am I going to look like a radical? Like if I leave that job for a different job that pays less, but I know God called me to that place, what's my family going to say to me? What are my parents going to think about me? I mean, my parents, they raised me, and I'm not talking about my parents, I'm using this as an example. But maybe some of us are saying, Man, my my parents raised me to be just someone that succeeds in the corporate world. But what if God is calling you elsewhere? Do not be afraid doesn't mean you won't feel fear. 
Are you with me this morning? Every single time in scripture says, do not be afraid. Nine times out of 10, you're going to feel afraid. And you're going to go anyways. The disciples, when they get called into the deep, do you think they didn't feel fear? But we have to be so confident in our identity. Everybody say identity. We have to be so confident in our identity in Christ that we no longer live on feelings, but on faith. Let me say that again. We no longer live on feelings. Everybody say feelings. But we live on faith. See, many of us are trapped at the shore because we live on feelings. If I feel like following Jesus, then I'll I'll, I'll go. But if I don't feel like it, then that doesn't align with who I am. Last week we talked about we have associated our identity with our feelings. That who we are, the world would tell us, who you are is from how you feel. But really in the kingdom, it's reversed that actually what the word says tell me, tells me about my feelings. That when I open up the Psalms and I go to Psalm 51 and I see David saying, forgive me, O Lord, give me a broken and contrite spirit. The word is actually speaking to his feelings. His feelings aren't speaking to the word. Are you with me? Our feelings are okay. God wired us that way that we can notice certain things. That It, it operates as a radar for certain things. But we have to move past fear. Everybody say fear. So it says, do not be afraid. I have ransomed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. Verse 2, when you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. Hear the word of the Lord this morning. As you go into the deep, you will not drown. Maybe for you that looks like a financial sacrifice right now. Maybe for you that looks like a relational sacrifice. Maybe breaking an addiction, a bad habit, and as you go into the deep, you can know you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, when people misunderstand you, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. So the title of the message this morning is this, Too Deep to Turn Back. Too Deep to Turn Back. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and just say, you've come too far to turn back. For those who are new, you're going to be like, is this guy going to make me talk to my neighbor after every point? (laughs) Yes. No, I won't. Here's the scripture for this morning. I love to have fun. Is that cool with you? All right. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. This is just after the feeding of the 5,000. Anybody know that story? This great, miraculous miracle that is performed that 5,000 people are fed from just a few loaves and fish, right? But it says immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead. He dismissed the crowd. The next verse says this. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone. And the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. This is our scripture specifically for this morning. And the first thing that I want to challenge you with, if you're taking notes this morning, number one is this. You can't take everyone with you. When you go into the deep, you can't take everyone with you. And the moment I say that, I know that that could be like a trigger. What do you mean? I can't take my whole neighborhood. I can't take my whole classroom. I mean, what about like all the people from my past and the people that I grew up with? And like, okay, ex-girlfriend, ex-boyfriend, we probably don't want to take them. Okay, all right. Uh, 
That was a joke. All right. You can't take everyone with you, though. And, and can I just be real? This has been one of the hardest things for me as a follower of Jesus. I don't know if I'm talking to any people that struggle with people pleasing this morning. This is where I've been in a lot of my relationship with the Lord, something that God is constantly teaching me about. But Matthew goes like this. Immediately, Jesus, coming back to the text, he made the disciples get into the boat, go on ahead of him while he dismissed, everybody say, the crowd. He dismissed the crowd. And I think I would say it like this. As I was writing my sermon this week, this phrase came to my mind. We want to take a cruise ship when God often calls us to take a boat. What I mean is this, on a lighthearted note, I'm going to shout out my in-laws again. They didn't know I was going to be picking on them like this. Anybody been on a pontoon recently? Okay, no? So I married into a Latina family, right? And everything is about home and culture and family. It's so fun. I'm learning so much from them. Ooh, ooh, come on, give it up for the Latina families in the room. Let's go. So one of my favorite things is, is seeing how many people we can fit on the pontoon when we go to their house, right? And you got like 18, 19, I don't know what the weight capacity is, right? On a lighthearted note, like that's what I first thought of. But on a, on a serious note, I think when God often gives us a dream or a calling or an assignment to move somewhere, to, to do something that might look foolishness to the world, we want everyone to agree with us. Maybe I'm not talking to any people pleasers this morning. I'd say like this, the crowd, you all, they will misunderstand you. When Jesus calls you into the deep, you will be misunderstood. And you will get deemed as a religious person. I'll never forget when I worked at Henry's and Clay Terrace. Anybody remember Henry's back in the day? It was like all these different restaurants, Kincaid's, Henry's, Clay Terrace. Okay, few of you with me. All right, so I worked there as a server. And I'll never forget, you know, I was telling them 2015, I just got called to ministry. I just went on a mission trip to Nicaragua, and I was excited. You could probably imagine me going behind in the kitchen, and I'm, I'm sharing with people. I'm loving on people. And I remember this lady came up to me. She said, oh, no. She said, you can't get married now. I was like, no, no, I'm not a priest. All right, okay, don't hang with me. But they were just, they thought it was the worst thing in the world. Oh, no. He's a religious person now. Oh, no. Right? And I feel so misunderstood. How many of you all know that it's not about a religion, it's about a relationship with God? Are you with me? That actually when Jesus came, he wasn't here to establish a religion. He was here to establish that we would know him, that he would know us, that we would be like the branch in the vine, that we would know him, planted in his house, talking to him like a best friend, pouring out our hearts to him, a relationship. And they said, he's just a religious guy. Man, we feel bad for Andy. He got caught up in the wrong crowd, right? But they'll misunderstand you. I love what Lecrae says, one of my favorite hip-hop artists. He says this, if you live by their acceptance, if you live by their acceptance, you will die by their rejection. Just let that sink in for a moment. If you live for the acceptance of people around you to agree and give you a round of applause when you get a calling from God that looks dumb to them, they don't understand. Why don't you join us in the party scene anymore? Why don't you join us? We used to hang out after football games. We used to get high together. Why did Andy drink the Jesus, the, the Jesus juice and now he, he can't even say it. Why did Andy leave us to go start a church? 
But if you live for their acceptance, you will die by their rejection. Galatians 1.10 says this. Paul says, am I now trying to win the approval of human beings? Am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not have been a servant of Christ. I saw this quote this week. I'm shouting out Brittany on her Instagram. Jackie Hill Perry says this. Imagine, imagine who you'd be in the kind of life that you would live if the only person you feared was God. Imagine what kind of life you'd live if you weren't trying to convince everyone around you. And this is what happens. I've seen this so many times as a former college pastor that even young students get the call to go to the deep, to say, I'm not just going to go through the motions. I'm actually going to totally surrender my life to Jesus, be unashamed for him. And the parents are often the first ones to say, what are you doing? It's oftentimes the people that are even closest to us that we've given them a voice into our life, our whole childhood. And they're often the first people to say, what are you doing? You are out of your mind. Why would you not just go to church once a month? Why would you try to be there and serve and show up early? I don't understand. We weren't called. Let me say it like this. Your calling is not to get everyone to agree with you. Can I get an amen? Is anybody with me? The baby's with me this morning. I don't know if that was my daughter. I don't know how this hits you. But I take it a step further to say this. Leaving the crowd. Leaving the crowd is not abandonment. And this is one of the places that I've struggled the most when God has called me into the deep. Is the enemy whispers a little lie into your heart and says, you can't leave them. You're abandoning them. You're abandoning them. And the enemy is the accuser. You know that? He's the father of lies. He is the one that comes to condemn. And we need to know that there's a difference between condemnation, everybody say condemnation, and conviction. And this is where the sermon's going to continue to go in this morning, that we need to separate the voices in our head. What kind of voices have been going on through your head this week? How many negative, stinking thoughts have you had about yourself this week, about the calling that God gave you? We must separate, everybody say, the voices. We must separate them. What we call discernment. But look at this. Earlier on in John chapter 6, this is what happens. John chapter 6, 66 to 69. From this time, after Jesus is giving these teachings to say, hey, we're not just here to pass through church. We're not just here to do a religious check it off the list. Okay, I went to mass. I went to Sunday service. No, no. This is a call for your entire life. Your heart, your soul, your mind, your money, your relationships, everything. A call to freedom. But from this time on, many of the disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Verse 67. You don't want to leave too, do you? Imagine Jesus asking you that question this morning. You don't want to leave too, do you? You're too deep to turn back. Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom shall we go? See, this is the thing. When you start to encounter the living, true God, you don't just have a relationship or a religious thing that you check off the list, but you have a true relationship with him where you burn, you sit in his presence, and you hear his voice. You separate those other voices. You know, God is the only thing that could ever sustain me, could ever fulfill me. Then when you go to the deep, we ask this question, Lord, who would we go to? We're too deep to turn back. We've seen you 
cast out devils. We've seen you heal the sick. We've seen you walk on water. Where else are we going to go? You have the words of eternal life. Verse 69 says this. We have come to believe that you are the Holy One of God. I'd say it like this this morning. As we think about the crowd, everybody say the crowd, and how people will respond to you. And I've said this before, that many times one of the the greatest tricks that the enemy will want to pull on you and I is he wants to get a reaction out of you and I. I'd say it like this. Some will sail out with you, and they will jump ship. There will be people that are surrounding you right now. I'm just telling you the cold, hard truth that will say, you just accepted that job to go and take less pay out of an obedience to a call from God. Man, you went down to serve the homeless. That was amazing. And they're going to be with you and with you. And then some are going to just jump ship. And they're going to say, this is too much for me. Like, like, I can go to church every once in a while, maybe be involved in a small group, but give him my whole life. No, I'm out. This is what the disciples experience. So the second point, transition right here, it can feel lonely in the deep. I don't know if I'm talking to anyone this morning, but loneliness is one of the greatest struggles, I think, in our nation right now, in our city. Turn to the person next to you just say, you're not alone. I want to show you a, a quick graphic of loneliness in the United States. 52% of Americans report feeling lonely. This is in 2022. 47% of Americans report their relationships with others are not meaningful. 57% single or not of Americans report eating all of their meals alone. So let that sink in for a second. And I say it like this. When you leave the crowd, when you leave the crowd, you might feel lonely for a season. I'll never forget September of 2020. We just had a big relational change in our family. And I remember I was at this district meeting and my district superintendent, his name is Mark Gorvet. He's an amazing leader mentoring me. I remember he pulled me aside after September, right into the first week of October or so. He pulled me aside and he said, hey, Andy, he said, have you ever thought about starting a church in Westfield? And I said, no. <laughs> Just to be real. I said, in my mind, I was like, I always told the Lord I never wanted to be a youth pastor and I never wanted to be a lead pastor. So the Lord must be thinking, what? I don't know how many other roles I could fit you in there, but uh, that was my preference. I didn't want to be fit in a box or I didn't want to be the classic pastor. And I remember October of 2020 in the middle of the pandemic, in the middle of so much relational change in our life, the Lord told us to go. And how many of us know that it's just when you got comfortable with your routine You just got comfortable with your schedule. I pick up my kids at this time. I drop them off at practice at this time. And then the Lord switches it up, right? We just got comfortable in our routine. I mean, we did middle school ministry Sunday morning. We did high school ministry Sunday night. Tuesday night was Ball State. We're on our way to Muncie. We had a rhythm going. And then the Lord comes in and says, okay, I think you've gotten too comfortable. It's time to go, right? At least that's how I took it. And I just want to be really real with you this morning. I'm not going to talk about loneliness and not share with you how I've felt that in my life. That I think there's been times in the intro stage of planting this church, there was a gap. Everybody say a gap. See, there's a gap between when God calls you to do something and the provision that he's bringing. 
There's always a gap. Okay, you're not getting it. Yeah, come on. Can I get an amen? Anybody with me? All right, all right, all right. So let me explain this. There is a gap. When God calls you to go into the deep, there's a gap between the provision and the people that he has already assigned to come your way. And you feel the loneliness in that gap sometimes. And I'll never forget how lonely I felt for about three to six months where I had just gotten so close to a church family at Trinity Church. Man, there were so many people pouring into us. We were pregnant at the time, and they're praying for our daughter. They're praying. I thought it was a boy. It was a girl. Okay, just making sure you're with me. We did a surprise. They're praying for us. They're blessing us. I'm like, man, I'm so thankful. And then God called us to start a church family. And man, I felt lonely for about three to six months, so deep to the core of my soul. My friends were changing. The city that we were going to live in was changing, even though I was coming back home or moving into a new home, and all of this change and transition was happening. I don't know how that feels when you talk about loneliness for you, but I want to go back to the text here, Matthew 14, verses 22 through 23. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat, and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. And after he dismissed them, catch this part. He went up to a mountainside by himself. Everybody say by himself. To pray. Later that night, he was there alone. I want to put this phrase up on the screen. We must separate lonely and alone. Hang with me here for a second. I was talking to a different mentor of mine recently. His name is Kevin. And this is a lead pastor of a church that's been operating for 30 plus years, I believe. They're our partner church, 12 Stone. And he's mentoring me, and I'm just confessing before him. I'm being totally transparent with you all. Is that okay? I said, Kevin, when we started this, man, it's felt lonely at times. And there's been moments where I've wanted to be like, what am I doing? Why did we say yes to this? This is the pre-launch stage, right? When you first get the dream, when you first get the calling. This is just in my spirit right now. The most vulnerable time, the most vulnerable time when you get a vision or a dream or a calling from the Lord is when it's in its infant stage. That's when the enemy wants to attack it the most. It's in the infant stage. Are you with me this morning? And we were in the infant stage of this church plant. And I have this dream in my heart. And and we're pregnant with a daughter, but we felt pregnant with a dream, right? To see people come to Christ in Westfield and beyond. And I remember in those moments, and I'm sharing with Kevin, have you ever felt lonely, Kevin? He said, Andy, first off, we need to separate lonely and alone. You have felt lonely, but you have never been alone. You have never been alone. Alone, And he said this phrase to me. I'll never forget. He said, Andy, he said, you were created to be alone with God. And at first glance, it's like, what does that mean? He was sharing with me that there is a place. There is a place in his presence that you go so deep with him that you pour out your heart to him. Even your spouse, your closest family members, your inner circle, there will be a place in your spirit where they cannot understand you. They cannot fully understand what you're going through. They cannot fully put words to what you're going through. And then you get on your knees. You always come back to your knees before the Lord and you come back to a relationship with him. And it's in that place where you feel understood for the first time. He said, Andy, you are never alone. You are never alone. 
How many times in Jesus' ministry do you see this where he's with the crowd and he pauses, he says, I need to be alone with my Father. So I want to ask you this question this morning. Who's in your boat? Who is in your boat? As you go to the deep, I share with you about this. You're like, this is a circles plug. It is a circles plug right now, right? You need to know if you do not have community, if you do not have people that you can trust and say, I want to go deep, not only vertically, but horizontally, this is something that you can tap into to say, there are people in this church that would love to be in the boat with you to go deep with you, to bear your burdens, to pray for you, to show up for you. One of the best parts about discipleship is not the talk, it's showing up for people, right? If you're on the fringe about this, if you're scared about doing life with other people, let me encourage you. You were created to be alone with God spiritually, but you were never created to be alone physically. Are you with me? It says in Genesis that we were created not to be alone, but to have other people we're doing life with. So I ask you that question, who is in your boat? Who are the people in your life when you're about to go off the deep end? Who are those people that you can trust? Who are those people that you can go to to bear those burdens with? So coming back to the story, it's October of 2020. We get that call. Loneliness is just hitting my soul like I've never experienced. Like it's always been easy for me to make friends and I'm in this season of loneliness and I know I'm not alone and I'm wrestling with this. And then this is maybe the scariest part that happens. And I know we're going deep, but I feel like the Lord is just saying, let's go together. This is what happens. You end up in the boat with different people than you thought you'd be with. And that might be the scariest part. Because when you're younger, and you, some of you are like, Andy, you're young. You're 26 years old. Right. I'm in, in my younger stage, okay? There's moments where you have the dream and the vision and the calling of where God is taking you, and you imagine it with specific people. Are you with me? And you picture it's going to be that one best friend that I grew up with. It's going to be with that one. Oh, wait, that relationship didn't work out, right? That family member didn't work out. What's going on, right? And you end up in the boat with different people than you thought you'd be with going straight for the promised land. But the best of friends, they know how to be the anchor in the wind. When you're out into the deep, when you're on the boat with them, and it's not a cruise ship, it's not a hundred people that are all like, hey, good job. It's a few tight-knit people that you know, these people have my back. They know how to be, everybody say, the anchor and the wind. They know how to be the people that will say, hey, it's time for you to lay an anchor down right now. I don't know what you've been thinking, but you need someone to speak the truth in love, right? To not tell you what you want to hear, but have people that are truly so in your corner that they'll tell you what you need to hear. They know how to be the anchor, but they'll also be the wind. They'll also be the people that say, I'm going to be the wind in your sails, that when you are on the mountaintop, I'm not going to be jealous of you. I'm going to celebrate you. And I think that the deepest friendships are not the people that you know are going to be in the valley with you. It's often the people that will be on the mountaintop with you. Will they be jealous of you or will they celebrate you? Will they be for you or against you? So come back to the text, verse 28. 
Lord, if it's you, Peter says, tell me to come to you on the water. So Jesus is now walking and he invites Peter to come to him out into the deep. Verse 29, come, he said. Peter got out of the boat. He walked on the water. He came toward Jesus. Here's the question that I have for you this morning about the current community that's in your life. How would they respond to you getting out of the boat? Would they tell you to get back in? Would they tell you you're out of your mind? Yeah, I know you've been friends with them for a really long time. They were, yeah, someone that you did life with. Maybe it was a college roommate, right? How would they respond to you getting out of the boat? Would they instill fear or faith into you? I take it a step further to say this. The right circle, the right circle of people, they don't just cheer you on from the boat. They get out on the water with you. Who do you have in your life that will get out on the water with you? That won't look at you like you're stupid. That won't look at you like you're out of your mind. But the two, three, four people that will say, you know what, I'm not just going to cheer you on. I'm getting out too. See, many people believe that this call to get out on the water was for all the disciples and only Peter got out. And maybe this is how you felt. You receive a calling from God. You step out of the boat and you feel like the current community that you have, they're not out there with you. Last main point is this, and we'll be done in just a moment. Number three, to get to our destination, we need detailed, everybody say discernment. Would you go ahead and stand to your feet? So this pastor, he shared this story about someone who had a voyage, a a journey that they were called on, an adventure to go on from Hawaii to California. And they pull out the map, they pull out the, the atlas, whatever you want to call it, right? And they're like, okay, I go here and I go there, but I could probably just like skip that step, right? And they end up in Mexico, all right? And it feels like, on first glance, like that's not that big of a deal. I mean, like they they can just kind of turn around. And I was listening to this speaker as he was sharing. He said this, the deeper you go, the deeper you go, every degree, every degree matters. So at first glance, that might not make sense. I felt like as I was preparing this sermon, there was just something that the Holy Spirit put so directly in my heart that for some of us, when we hear the call to go to the deep, Some of us just feel lost at sea. We just feel like we've been out there, but we don't know east from west, north from south. I mean, we're out here. We're trying to follow Jesus. We're trying to, but we just feel like we can see the wind and the waves and we feel everything crashing and it's just like chaotic out here, right? And it says in the text that when the disciples went into the boat, it says the wind was against them. Maybe that's how you feel recently, that the wind of life is just against you. That every time you feel like you catch a break, there's something else. There's something else financially. There's something else that's a conflict. And you just feel like the wind of life is just hitting you. And then Jesus calls you to get out of the boat. You're like, Lord, I'm just trying to survive. First off, get out on the water. But he said, the deeper you go, every degree matters. We were watching this show recently on a lighthearted note. Some of you are going to judge me for this. Leans and I were watching this show, Married at First Sight. Wow, what a show. Anybody seen that? Okay. 
So these people actually get married to a stranger. First sight, they actually like meet each other at the altar. Crazy decision. All right. But as we're watching this show, like something hit me. I mean, we're just watching something that's totally secular. I mean, it's not Christian whatsoever. And, and this couple, they're talking about their relationship. And they ask each other, like, what is love? Like, what's our purpose? And, and they get into this conversation where they just say, well, I guess, like, if, if fate just kind of decides it, I guess we'll fall in love, right? And they really had no compass for any purpose in their life. There was no compass. I mean, they're going out to the deep. They're sailing out for something. They don't know where they're going. They feel lost. They don't know. And we were watching this movie recently, and it's funny how God speaks through even TV shows sometimes to me. They said there's a difference between being lost and someone searching for you. And I encourage you this morning, as you hear this story of Peter, so many times we want to point the the finger at Peter and say, why in the world is he drowning? Like, couldn't he just keep his eyes on Jesus for three more seconds? Maybe we just feel lost. But I want to share this phrase of the discernment. Discernment is your direction. Here's how we need to unpack this. There's voices in your life. There are voices that we must separate for the voice that God has called you. Four different voices every single time that we're going out to the deep. Number one, our voice. Number two, others' voice. Number three, Satan's voice. And number four, God's voice. For many of us, we're not struggling to have the determination to go to the deep. We lack the discernment. Man, we're, we, we want to do it. We want to please God. We want to go out. But then we get out there, and it's like the waves and the wind, and the crowd is saying this, and our old ex-girlfriend is saying that, and people are posting on Facebook, right? And you just feel delusional. And I just want to encourage you this morning, so plain, so simple, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is your perfect compass. That every degree matters. And we get it from being in his presence. And so the the scripture ends like this, verse 30. But when he saw the wind and he was afraid, beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately Jesus reached out his hand and he caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. And those that were in the boat, they worshiped him saying, you are the son of God. I want to share a story with you, and we'll be done in just a moment. This is, uh, this is my journal that I, I write my prayers in with the Lord. And uh, I flip to this page right here, and this, goes, this journal goes through that last year when we were called to plant the church. And I can't tell you how many times that I have felt like Peter getting out of the boat, sinking, drowning, anxious, afraid, what in the world is going on? And the Lord got me into this routine that has been so helpful for me. And I want to encourage you that as you go into the deep, not only do you need the word of God, everybody say the word. Not only do you need a circle, but you need the perfect compass of the Holy Spirit in your life. And for many of us, we're missing one of those three things. 
Maybe you have the right people in your life, but you don't have a deep relationship with God. You don't have a deep relationship in the Word. Maybe you know the Word intellectually, but let me ask you this question. When you're out in the deep, when you feel like you're drowning, when you feel like all hell is breaking loose around you, what is the anchor? What is the anchor for your soul when you're out there? And so many times I've felt that way in the past two years. And I go back, and these are words. A lot of it's scribbled out on the left. You can see over here. But this journal is full of words that God has planted so deep into my soul. And let me just encourage you, every single time I'm anxious, every single time I'm doubting, every single time I feel like I am the craziest person in the world, I come back and every word that I read out loud from the Lord is like an anchor to my soul. It's like the winds die down. I speak it out loud. God, I know you called me to Westfield. You called me to be for the one. In the deep, you can't live on the general. You have to live on the specific. You can't live on the general. You live on the specific. Everybody say the specific. I say it like this. Every word that comes from the Lord, every word is like an anchor for the soul. Every single word. Matthew 4, 4 says this. It is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Isaiah 30, 21 says this. Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way. Walk in it. I'm not asking you this morning, have you said a prayer this morning? Say, Jesus, I give you my life, Lord and Savior. I'm asking you, do you have such a deep relationship with God? that you are so sensitive to his Holy Spirit, that you would be able to say this, I pray God, I pray God that you would be able to adjust me with a feather and not a hammer. That you wouldn't even need to hit rock bottom, but you have ears that are open, a heart that's sensitive, eyes that can see, that you slow down and you know, like the drop of a pen in a silent room, you know exactly when the voice of the Lord just spoke. This is the way, walk in it. But we must be silent and still to hear the still, small voice in our heart. Would you pray with me? So Father, we just take this moment to thank you for the stillness of your presence. And I just invite you for this 30 seconds to just be still before him, to hear from the Lord. anyone in the room this morning that feels like the voices in your head are just going crazy lately. You need that discernment. You need to separate the stranger's voice from the shepherd's voice. Would you just raise a hand this morning? For anyone who feels like fear just still has a grip on your heart and your mind, would you just lift a hand this morning and say, God, I need to be freed from this. 
Lord, you see the hands raised right now. And I just ask in Jesus' name, Lord, they don't need me. They need the Holy Spirit in and through their lives. So, Father, we pray right now that you would wash us with your Spirit, that you would wash us with a fresh peace, a fresh courage, Lord, that right now the voices that have been lingering for so long that is not your voice, that it would be drowned out by the voice of the Lord. Lord, that you would truly free people in this room this morning from the spirit of fear, from the spirit of anxiety. In Jesus' name, Lord, we thank you for freedom in this house. Come, Lord Jesus. You can go ahead and open up your eyes. And uh, as we close this morning, we always bring it back to the gospel message. I always want to give an opportunity for someone to respond. This isn't about me coming up with a clever sermon or anything like that. It's truly to reach people. And if there's anyone this morning, when you feel the call to the deep, you know that your life is not totally surrendered to God. And maybe you've played church games your whole life, or maybe you feel like it's just been a religion to check off the list. I did it, I did it. But you feel this morning that the call for you is to totally surrender your life to him. I want to encourage you with the snapshot of the gospel that Jesus died for you, that he loves you, that he knows you by name, that when he was pinned to the two pieces of wood, that he took a crown of thorns, that he died for you and I, that he took our place, that while we deserve damnation, while we deserve condemnation, it says that for those that are in Christ, there is no more condemnation, that we are truly saved, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. If you want to surrender your life to that this morning, we're not even going to close our eyes this morning. We're not going to bow our heads. One of our values here is to just be unashamed of that. Say, Father, I surrender my life to you this morning. Would you just raise a hand if that's you? If you want to give your life to Jesus this morning, there's no shame, there's no condemnation. Anyone else want to make that decision today? Just lift a hand. We're a family here, so if you want to pray that prayer, whether you're watching online or in the room, we pray this to say, Father, we are coming together as a family. It says in Scripture that there is more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner that repents than 99 righteous. So let's bow our heads, close our eyes. Let's pray this prayer together. Father, forgive me. You can pray this out loud as a family. Father, forgive me, for I have sinned. Thank you for your blood. Thank you for your forgiveness. I receive the gift of salvation. I receive the Holy Spirit right now. I believe in you and I give my life to you. And it's in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen and amen. Can we give the Lord one shout of praise this morning? He's good. And I know this morning, I just feel, I feel this in my spirit, even through the sermon that there is a reverence this morning to be still before him, to hear from him, to pause the busyness, to pause all of the craziness. So I just invite you, this next song is called I Respond. I don't know if that's the title, but that's the the heartbeat of the, the, the message, that we respond to him, but first we have to hear from him.
And I just challenge you, as we just kind of take our time in this last song, be still before him and watch as the Lord will truly speak to your heart. Let's worship together.